Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Your hosts are freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield, plus videographer and host of the YouTube channel Craving Cars, Corey Pratt, and 35-year radio veteran, book publisher, and vehicular village idiot, Mark Catfish Groves. Let's rev up the conversation time for driven radio show welcome to driven radio your weekly automotive bacchanalia bacchanalia there you go i am brett hatfield here with our engineer and co-host mr catfish groves yep. and the evil genius behind craving cars who only needs 28 more only subscribers 20. to monetize so Go subscribe to Craving part. Cars because Corey could really use it. Mr. Corey Absolutely. Pratt. Absolutely. 20, Do it. 28? All six of you. 28? Dude, 28? That's, that's amazing. Hey, like Mark said, full close. metal Amway, baby. Forever. Yeah. You Let's five go. people know, you each know, know five, five people, people and, and five, five more people. people. And then you can that's wind right. up in that that uh, shampoo com- commercial we, we and need so a on YouTube and so on. Subscriber pyramid scheme. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> Doesn't anybody need a rug shampooer? Come on, <laughs> yeah, talk to me. And a button-down shirt in a plaid that you haven't seen for ten years. Come on down. There's a good. It's a. It was an overstock. Yeah, Corey's got it's it for you. Trust me. There you go. Uh, we are coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in beautiful oh, yeah. Overland Park, Kansas. It was sunny outside today. I never even set foot outside. Yeah, the house. no crap. I, I know you're so feeling. I took out the trash, okay. and that was it. Yeah, it's so it much too bad. Was it nice for January in in winter? Yes, it was almost fifty degrees, as opposed to the January and summer. Yeah, all right. Yeehaw! You can find us online at drivenradioshow dot com. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a second. I'm like, what the? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, thanks for keeping up. Well, in the southern hemisphere. Yeah, no. thanks for keeping up, so we could all laugh together at the end. <laughs> Find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com and ReadTheDriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show. Hey, I found another platform we're on this week. Oh, God. <laughs> Why don't you just name that one it's and one leave, let listener. the others lay? Uh, Welcome how, our new listeners on. Wait, why didn't I just say, uh, you can find us everywhere, find podcasts or heard. Oh, that's nice. Which is a lot. iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, <laughs> Amazon douche. Music, Audible, Pod News, <laughs> iHeartRadio, Listen <laughs> Notes, Acast, and Overcast. <laughs> I almost actually started that and he did it on his own. I was like, uh, what, what, what kind of places are Fun Pack? Fun Pack has <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> if you like what you're hearing, you're insane. Uh, leave us a positive <laughs> review on your favorite yeah. podcast platform and be sure to tell all your gearhead friends if there's something you'd like to hear more of or better yet, someone you want us to interview, somebody you want yeah. to talk to, somebody you've always wanted to hear put through the ringer. <laughs> I find interviewing skills. Properly. You did what? You a jackass. <laughs> be sure you drink heavily before they call. Yeah. You got cool stuff. And <laughs> tell me about it. And if after. there's someone you'd like to hear interviewed or something you'd like to hear more of, mail me, Brett, at readthedriven.com. That is B-R-E-T-T at readthedriven.com. What'd you do with and, your cars? That, that's week, the electronic Dennis? mail type. Just did you guys do anything with your cars this week? Weather's been pretty crappo until the last couple of days. No, no, no. no. I, most I've done, I think, with the vehicle this whole week is drive here, and uh, and still on the same tank of gas I've had for like a month and a half. I've had the same tank of gas in my truck for five weeks. Yeah, it's crazy, and it's I, only half gone. I won't kid you. Kind of dig it. Yeah, 
because yeah. that's 28 gallons that I didn't have to redo. And the gas has gone up. It's up, uh, at least here, it's up above two bucks a gallon now. Is it? Which is a crying damn yes, shame because I was, I thought a buck 68 was sexy. I was oh, like, this God. is taking me back to the day. <laughs> damn it. Oh, my 55 Plymouth when it was 89 cents a gallon. I was say, oh, yeah, man, that, that was like 1989, cents. man. Yeah, that was back <laughs> in the day. <laughs> Uh, I woke up this morning with a dream. I have a, I have a dream. I have a dream. I have a dream. I have a dream of things to do to my car. I, I saw your, fa- your Facebook yeah, post I on that. I'm this like, morning you thinking, thinking, Art Morrison full chassis with air ride. You know, if you can drive that thing longer than like 150 miles, mm-hmm. I would think about that. Mm-hmm. But huh. I never get it out of town. That's the thing. Yeah, and never take it out of It's hand. a beautiful show car. So what's the air going to do for you? No, then? it is a beautiful show car. I'm not disagreeing with you. I just woke up crazy. Just put some switches on it. You'll be okay. <laughs> yes, you did. Woke up nuts. And normally I would love to enable you. I am not turning it into a lowrider. <laughs> Shut the hell up. Switches. You know what? I'm going to buy him a box just with switches. It's not going to do anything, but just put it in there. <laughs> Make sure it's that kind of chrome metal plate looking. That's it's going to light up industrial too. except chrome. And then you can flick your switch and hook up the stereo so it makes the noises. Yeah. Oh my God, that would be awesome. The <laughs> I mean this with all possible love and respect. <laughs> F both of you. And then get some Craigers. <laughs> I'd consider that. Yeah. yeah. I, actually, I I have considered that. Oh my God! What do TikTok, baby? Life is only so long. Uh, the, the problem I got with the Impala right now is driving it in town, driving it in traffic in yeah, town. Yeah, uh, Wears out my left butt cheek. I can't take a clutch that heavy for a long time because I go to get out of the car and that leg doesn't want to work. You know, I oh. would honestly, it would be fun to play with it. Yeah. And put some really cool shisa under it and, and even make it cooler. But really, you want to drive it. I do want to drive it. And you need to have a vehicle that you can drive, like a uh, the little Porsche thingy you've been talking about forever. What, which means I need to go heavier on leg day. <laughs> <laughs> leg day, bro. Leg day. You know what the key to a cool car is? Squats. Yeah. <laughs> Are you um, working out today? Yeah, I'm going to go drive my car tomorrow. Don't know squat. That might be it. <laughs> Hey, in the news this week, uh, we've got good news and we've got a little sad news. Uh, We've got news about the passing of a supercar legend. We have big records that came out of Mecham Kissimmee, man. You should have seen some of the stuff. I watched that all last week. Yeah. While while I was supposed to be working, I had Mecham Bone in the background. (laughs) Research. It was research. (laughs) That's work, my God. That is work. (laughs) And uh, I wrote pieces about some of those cars. Uh, a new continuation or new continuation in replica cars may soon be coming our way, courtesy of finally getting some laws passed. Yeah. Government always in the demon. <laughs> oh, hey, really good news. Chevy says you can drive a brand new Camaro V8 for under $300. I can't wait to talk about this. You can finally park one in front of that metal house. Dude, that's Yugo money. <laughs> <laughs> My uncle won the lottery, got a new house. We, we went over to help him take the wheels off. He put the car in the kitchen with the refrigerators on the porch. <laughs> go and go make some 11sies. I like a garage where I get a drink of water, yes. just reach out there and put her in the faucet. <laughs> You really are from Branson, aren't you? Yeah, 100%, oh my buddy. He does it too well. Our guest tonight is a repeat offender, returning guest Kyle Smith. Cool. 
uh, associate right a- editor from ha- associate editor from Haggerty. Yeah, and also a repeat competitor in the Great Race. And Kyle's a motorcycle fiend, just like some of us sitting here at oh, this yay. table. Mm. And he's going to do very questionable crap on motorcycles this year. He's already got a plan, and he's putting it into action. We're going to talk to him about that. The cannon fodder run? I think it's even worse. <gasps> oh, God. He's going to try. Well, I'll let him tell you about okay. it. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, that's very, exciting. Very, very cool <laughs> stuff. All right, we've got a lot of news to cover, so let's get to it. Well, from Motor Authority, uh, Jerry Weigert. Weigert, Jerry Weigert. Uh, founder of Vector Supercars, died at the uh, age of 76. That's a shame. Um, you've seen Vectors. You know the, oh, yeah, the WA them. and the M12. Yep. Uh, really, really radical cars for the time. Absolutely were. And uh, that W8, if memory serves, he was getting over 600 horsepower out of that in the 80s when nobody got 600 horse out of a that, car. That was called a dragster. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no, he did some uh, great stuff. So he is, uh, well, Jerry Weigert, the founder of the American Supercar Builder, as we just said, Vector, um, unfortunately has passed away January 15th. Um, at 76 years old in Los Angeles, City of Angels. Good run. 76. 76 bad. isn't bad. No, 76 ain't bad. Uh, Weigert, you know what? I, this is. Did you guys know that Weigert was an inventor who claimed to have come up with the original ideas for a four-wheel ATV and jet ski? I didn't know that until I saw the article. Yeah. That's kind of where I was at on that one. What about you, Mark? I didn't have any no. idea. Did he make the internet, too? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Call Al Gore. <laughs> Wait till I die in the list of stuff well, that I say he, I, t- he I might did. Have, he, might have claimed, he might have claimed to have the idea of the internet. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't he, know. I didn't read that. It's pretty you, cool, though. <laughs> what, the internet or the neat. ATV? Uh, yeah. Okay. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> Weigert spent decades trying to fulfill his dream as an American supercar builder, builder. guy. Uh, he showed his first builder vector. guy. <laughs> Sorry, it's on a stone. That's where it went. Yeah, American supercar builder, builder guy. guy. <laughs> I, I love how professional you are. You um, have way uh, with word things. <laughs> how do you think I survive with craving cars? <laughs> Barely. <laughs> oh, please go on. No, this is no. awesome. Tell me more. <laughs> I aim to please. <laughs> and you guys is in his eyes. He showed his first Vector V8, W8, sorry, concept in 1972, uh, boasting a semi-monocoque mid-engine chassis, traversally mounted 624, 20, uh, 625 horsepower, so there you Dang. go, Brett, over 600 horsepower, Dude. twin turbocharged V8. As a matter of fact, there wasn't a whole lot of even turbocharged stuff back then. No, there wasn't. Uh, top speed of more than 200 miles an hour, and just to have a car that goes that fast that back then is dang. So I, okay, leaps and bounds, really ahead of the game, I think. Uh, at least, you know, as a uh, as a supercar builder guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm sipping through some Sorry. pictures here on the internet, yes. looking at some of the vehicles, mm-hmm. and from, these are from the early bad. 90s. You know, it's kicking. It is a very American what Lamborghini? Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's a hundred percent Americanized, but damn, it's cool. Well, and funny you say that because, uh, later on after the W8, uh, Vector wound up being bought out by the same company that briefly owned Lamborghini and they took the new design he was working on and stuffed a Lamborghini V12. In it. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
That well, was... even back in the day, he he actually took his prototype, his running prototype, put t- nearly two hundred thousand miles on it to try to convince investors. Yeah, do that with a DeLorean. Yeah, that yeah. will actually yeah, <laughs> right, survive. Um, it did eventually. The WA did eventually make it to production. Um, and while it boasted an impressive performance, it kind of suffered from overheating issues. Oh, yeah, and delivery but, delays. But here's the other thing: Do you know what the the platform was for that? It was the twin turbo V8. Yeah. You know what transmission he had in it? I do not. He had a turbo hydromatic three speed. He had a GM three speed automatic, and wow. got that thing to go over two hundred miles an hour on a three speed. On That's a three missed. speed, three oh, speed automatic. Wow. <laughs> Like one of the old automatic, not even overdrive. It's no three speed. <laughs> wow! Now that's impressive. That's all right. No wonder it overheated. Absolutely is. That was your uh, that was your transmission turning red. Wow! <laughs> yeah, you think that I'd have been a better? What do you mean it revs to twelve five? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it does now. Wow! <laughs> Between the gears. <laughs> well, by nineteen ninety two, the price of his car had had rised, uh, risen up to four hundred fifty thousand dollars after oh, building wow. just twenty. Imagine cars. that ninety two and what that would be in today's dollars. Why well, then tried to engineer uh, a deal to separate? You were talking about this just yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. ago. Separate Lamborghini from Chrysler and ended up. Uh, and ending with the V8 production car in favor of its new model, mm-hmm. the WX3. Yeah. But soon lost control of Vector to that Indonesian firm, Megatech. Megatech! So, who, you know, temporarily, like you said, bought Lamborghini, and they ended up using the 5.7 liter V12 in oh, the yeah, new yeah. Vector M12. Yeah, which, which was a really cool looking car. Which is, at that point, it's no longer an all-American supercar. Yeah. So yeah. Th- there goes Weigert's dream on that one. Well, so. and he only made a dozen of those M tw- or fourteen. Yeah, of those about, yeah, fourteen of those were built before they ran out of money. So, he, supposedly he was working on new projects all the way up to his death, though. So, whatever well, those projects. Exactly God are. love him. He was a brilliant guy. He was an interesting guy. Yep. And the cars he did make were freaking incredible. But uh, he just never really got to the production of, point. I think not a lot of traction might. with it all. No, yeah, uh, it was a shame. His latest was supposedly going to be the Vector WX8. Claiming a top speed of 300 miles an hour with, with a 10-liter <laughs> twin-turbocharged V8. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. It sounds really amazing. I really wish at least somebody would build that freaking engine, regardless if he's around or not. liter. But yeah, ten so that's uh, the freaking 10 liter. There's, you don't see double-digit liters in engines hardly at all. No, uh, and there's good reason for that. Right. Just... Where are you going to get pistols? So uh, rest in peace, Mr. <laughs> Especially that many. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no kidding. I, I think that's I'll make it my own self. So yeah. that's enough for my professionalism for the day. <laughs> Yay, well done, Corey. Corey. Great story. Good story. All righty. Well, did you see any of the results that came out of Meek and Kissimmee last week? Not that as giant yeah, freaking sale. I've seen one big one. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk about that. I yes, we, yes, we am. Uh, from Muscle Cars and Trucks, Mecham Kissimmee results, the L88 Corvette goes for $2.5 million. Oof. And Carol Shelby's Cobra, the one that we talked to Peter Clute about, yeah, that thing went for $5.94 million. Good God. I Holy. thought you were going to say million. I was, I was hoping it wasn't 1000 No. No, no that's, I would have bought it. That's not very much. Yeah, I would have. Mark could have. I'd have been bidding one. on that one. Yeah. Put me on that one there. <laughs> I'll take it. So is this a new record for Cobra? For a Cobra to go for? Um, no, no, because that first the prototype Cobra he had the 260, the original one that was dark blue and had the wire wheels on it, mm-hmm. sold what? Uh, that's been two or three years ago, maybe more, and that thing went for. 
12 or 14 oh, or wow. something. Okay. It went for so this wasn't close to that one then, yeah. No, but it's it definitely makes the top 10, man. 5.94 is a ton of jack. Yeah, it is. Uh, Meekum started car. off their 2021 with their usually huge lineup at Kissimmee last week, uh, selling, I think, 3,000 or 3,500 vehicles. They sold a, a ton of stuff. Yeah. It ran 10 days. Um wow. Pardon me. They sold a lot of stuff for big money. As with most Mecham auctions, it was a mix of old and new with a focus on American performance. A 1967 Corvette Stingray that I wrote an article about for GM Authority. <laughs> GM Authority. Uh, the legendary L88 package, which is essentially a race-ready Stingray. Chevy actually tried to steer customers away from the package as it was uh, – well, Zora Duntoff wanted it to be – for serious racers only. Yeah. And the L88 would only run on 103 octane gas. Uh, they only made 20 of them in 1967. That engine, that 427, was rated at 430 horse, but at like 4,200 RPM. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Wow, yeah. Uh, closer, to, closer to Honest would have been 540 to 580, depending upon who you ask. Uh, only 20 were made in 67. This was the very first one made and the only convertible that was in tuxedo black. Oh, wow. So wow, it so sold real, for, real rare Corvette. Here. Yes. Extremely rare Corvettes brought two and a half million dollars. Carol Shelby's personal 65, 427 that we talked to Peter Clute about 5.94 million with the VIG. That's it's bid crazy. to five, four, but then you think 10% VIG on top of that. Yeah, is five hundred forty thousand dollars for the VIG. Right. So you add that up, you get your five point yep. nine four. Uh, to uh, Corey's question earlier, uh, luckily Mister Internet stopped by to let me know that the uh, uh, the auction record appears to be from uh, nineteen or two thousand sixteen. A Shelby Cobra went for thirteen point seven five yeah, million dollars. That was that blue one, that two sixty, yeah, little bitty thing. Yeah. Gee, many Christmas. And so they said that 13, thing had huh? so many layers of paint on it because Shelby wanted to convince magazines that he had a whole fleet of these things when he had one. <laughs> so he would so let, he would let, yeah, exactly book. right. He would let a magazine test it and then they'd paint it real quick and then they'd let <laughs> oh another magazine God. test it and then they'd paint it real quick. That's the guy we talked to last week uh-huh. in a nutshell, right yeah. there. A consummate salesman. <laughs> Absolutely. We've, we've had a few of those on the show, haven't we? Make it work. <laughs> anyway, uh, Shelby. Shelby's personal uh, 65 427 Cobra sold for $5.94 million. The thing that made it so great, it's one of only 20 that were painted in, in charcoal metallic, but it was Shelby's from brand new till the day he died. So wow. long ownership history, history on that one. Uh, another classic muscle car that brought big money was a 71 Plymouth Cuda convertible, Hello, Mr. Mark. Nice. baby. Uh, It's one of only 17 Cudas produced in 1971 with a massive 446-pack engine and one of only 12 made in that exact configuration. It is a highly specced model with low miles and like-new appearance, sold for $962,000. Damn. Did you bid on that one, Mark? Uh, You know. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thanks for asking. Oh, yeah. I was just curious. Uh, 2018 Ford GT sold for a whopping $990,000. This example features the heritage, the red heritage package with the big round L's on it and the optional titanium exhaust. You know what's wild about Most that? Most of those going for about close to a million, so yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, but think about 990 on that 2018 Ford GT. That's a car they're still making. <laughs> But still one of the most difficult ones to get new. Yeah, but they're still even over making that car. Stuff. Yeah. So if you bought a recent one for, you know, what, 120, 150 grand? No, that's not what they go for. Like, Seriously? You gotta, you gotta yeah, apply to own lot? one of these. I you think can't just buy one. I think they're like six sixty new, aren't they? They're about four fifty. I thought but they were before Are you serious? Package. Now with the Heritage Edition, I think that added, I don't know, a ridiculous amount of paint it to cost, dash like $75,000 in paint. But again, this is know. a car they and are carbon fiber. still making. God. Holy crap, yeah, dude. It's, it's a half mil. Anyway, new. it was a great auction. It was a lot of fun to watch, and I should know because I watched an awful lot of it. <laughs> and uh, got a big thank you from our buddy David Morton uh, on behalf of John Craman. Having everybody on the show and all that good stuff. Nice. David, thank you very much. Yeah. Appreciate all of the information you send our way. From uh, Hemmings.com, replica oh, car oh. production expected to start within months after NHTSA rulemaking. We talked about this quite some time ago. Yeah. Uh, that replica, car, replica cars, they had a, a bit of a problem being able to you know, make a finished vehicle because they weren't legally allowed to. Yeah, and the, yeah. And the NHTA say our friends at the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> taking all the fun out of those life. Those guys are always so much fun. What a barrel <laughs> of laughs they are. Well, now sales are permitted <laughs> under the Low Volume Motor Vehicle Manufacturers Act. It'll start to take place within the next few months now that uh, the NHTSA has issued its final regulations on the matter. Roadblocks have been eliminated, says SEMA President Chris Kirstein. And uh, SEMA applauds NHTSA's final rule allowing companies sure to market classic game cars. So, yeah, these, these cool replicas that... You know, it has been so hard to do because you had to buy kits and then you had to go buy a different engine and chassis and this and that. Or like our guy, our, our friends over at Superformance. Oh, my God. You yeah. could buy the chassis and the body and the interior and essentially everything except the driveline. And then it had to go some, uh, someplace else, have the engine and transmission put in, and then you could have your damn car. Yeah, it was a multi-step process that was weird. Now, since 1967, federal laws prevented car makers from producing turnkey vehicles that do not meet federal motor vehicle safety standards. Uh-huh. Replica car makers have only been able to sell brand new cars and trucks until now by selling kits, engineless, like we just talked about, under the Low Volume uh, Motor Vehicle Manufacturers Act, which passed in December 2015. 2015. Yeah. This is like six, almost six, well, six years later. Yeah. Uh, five and a half. As part of the highway funding bill, replica car makers would be able to sell turnkey replica vehicles that do not necessarily mm-hmm. conform to current automotive safety standards, provided they adhere to production caps. More than three, no more than three hundred twenty-five vehicles per year built by companies that construct no more than five thousand vehicles per year worldwide. So, if hmm. you can just keep it down under, if you're just if you're just not too damn successful. Yeah. You're in Lake Flint. They they really, really have a lot of hurdles to go over and a lot of obstacles to crawl under. And they really have been sticking it to people who are just trying to make a living. And it's, it's, quit sucking the fun out of everything, for the <laughs> love of God. Now, they do uh, you know a couple of extra caveats where you have to use EPA or uh, CARB. 
carb certified current model year engines and replicate vehicles and replicate vehicles at least 25 years old. There's the rub on that. That CARB is the California Air Resources Board. They're the ones who set the standards for California emissions. Eight catalytic converters and a a small marsupial in them. Where is the heart of car culture? (laughs) Yeah. Southern California. Thanks, CARB. Thanks for being a giant wet blanket. Uh, you know, hey, California, love you, mm-hmm. but, but damn. Yeah. So uh, uh, at least oh, this is really cool, and I, I look forward to it. Maybe that Auburn manufacturer down in Oklahoma can really kick it up a notch. Well, and for all of our car friends in California, and oh, that's yeah, considerable. Yeah. God, we feel for you guys. We're really sorry, and uh, we sure like the stuff you make. Yeah. Who knows what will come up next, what other little companies, will, boutique will spring up. I, I tell you, man, every time I hear about stuff like this, I think about the joyride I took in that Cobra a couple summers ago. Scariest thing I've ever been in. Scariest thing <laughs> I've ever been in. How many pairs of shorts did you go pretty good margin. None. You couldn't have jammed a needle in me with a jackhammer. <laughs> Stop. Pucker time. The pucker meter was running about a 9.5. We had a barometric pressure drop <laughs> when they hit the gas. Yeah, the, the doors in that thing only come up to, you know, about where your pecs are. <laughs> Not even your armpit. And this guy's getting loose at 80 and fourth. And I'm like, me. I want to drive it, but I don't want you to be in it. <laughs> yeah, leave me alone. Make me uh-huh. the car. From uh, Road and Track, you can now lease a V8 Chevy Camaro for under three hundred dollars a month. Woo! I got three hundred bucks. I got three hundred bucks. Let's go get one. Boys in my category can finally get one. Looking to get a V8 muscle car on the cheap? The latest offer from Chevy might be the way. The company currently has a lease deal for the cheapest V8-powered Camaro, the LT1. Qualified lessees can now lease an LT1 for just. $274 a month for 39 months. Dude, I got really good Dude, credit. do I want to get a Camaro LT1 or a Corolla? No, you better. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very valid point, sir. You are not wrong, Corey. <laughs> the car in question is a coupe with a 10-speed automatic transmission. Awesome. If you currently lease a new a car newer than 2016 that's not a GM vehicle, you'll also be eligible for a 200, for $274 at signing and a $0 security deposit. Now, as for mileage, you'll be looking at 10,000 miles a year, which is less than 1,000 miles a month. But let's. Let, but nobody goes anywhere. I know. I'm, I'm thinking about that right now. We were talking earlier, uh, the fact that, you know, I, I haven't used a, a full tank of gas in. Rhonda and I won't put 10,000 miles on all the crap we got combined. So that uh, that kind of works now. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Who knew? And uh, you'll be paying twenty five cents per mile if you go over that. Of course, taxes, title, fees, and dealer fees are not included. In addition to the four hundred fifty five horsepower naturally aspirated <laughs> air breathing V eight under the hood, the LT one also gets black bow tie badges, trim specific fender badges, twenty inch wheels, and a vented hood from the more expensive SS. Cool, With a 10-speed automatic Dang. equipped, MSRP comes in at 36.5. That's a reasonably priced car anymore. Well, yeah, especially for, for a muscle car. horsepower? Dang. Yeah, that's, a, that's one of the times when I would actually have to... And an automatic? I might cheat on my Challenger that I want someday. Uh, with something like this, because the only damn. thing I can say for the challenge that they drive really nicely. I had a rental a few years ago that just had the 300 horse six in it, and it was quick. You can't see out of it, really. Yeah, not go- not looking back. 
<laughs> hey, looking back. What is it? Was it Cannonball Run or uh, which one was it where that was the rule? You don't look at the things behind Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was, was, uh, that, was that was Gumball Rally. Gumball Rally. Oh, my God. That yeah, was, yeah, yeah. That was Raul Julia oh, sitting so good. in a Ferrari Daytona and in the garage. The first row of, roll of Italian racing. What's behind you? Tink is not important. And he chucks the mirror. <laughs> Eh, well, welcome to the uh, Challenger. So it's cheaper to lease the LT1 than even a base 1LS Camaro. So if you wanted one, that's dude, weird. get on it's it. A, that's a, a, bunch that's a screaming deal that, that's and surprising. really difficult to pass up. Yeah, yeah. If, uh, if my can, truck can wasn't... Can you do a manual option, I wonder? I do you know. have to have the automatic? I don't know, man, probably. but that automatic probably isn't bad. It's, yeah. it's not. I'll be honest, it's not. But, you know, me being who I am, I would... No, no, no. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'd rather have a manual, too. I just don't know if they're going to have those available at this rate. That's a screaming Okay, Chevy dealers, if you'll email brett at readthedriven.com, let us know whether you can get the manual in that uh, lease deal. Somebody please tell me if we can get the manual and get it at that rate, you may have a couple more customers here. Yeah, and and hell, we'll even even give you an interview. We'll talk to you about what you got on the lot and how we can get ourselves a manual and just just tear that thing up. The password is Corvette Test Drive. (laughs) 30 months, 39 months later, It'll be sliding in sideways into your lot. Well, I'm done. <laughs> you best put some duct tape on this bird before it goes bye-bye. <laughs> Our special guest this week is Kyle Smith, associate editor for Haggerty and repeat competitor in the great race. Kyle has pledged to do something of questionable judgment this year, <laughs> and we're going to let him tell us all about it coming up next on Driven Radio. Welcome back to Driven Radio, the sweetest smelling podcast on the web. Uh, We are coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in Overland Park, Kansas, and we've got our special guest, repeat offender, Mr. Kyle Smith. Kyle is a McPherson College Restoration Program alum, Corvair lover, buyer of questionable motorcycles, (laughs) associate editor for Haggerty, and host of numerous educational videos on Haggerty's YouTube channel, showing you how to fix everything you didn't know how to fix in your crummy car. Nice. (laughs) Kyle's also a repeat competitor in the great race, and most importantly... Kyle has pledged to do something really stupid this year, and we're all really proud of him. We're going to let him explain it to us. Kyle, welcome back to Driven Radio. Thanks for having me, guys. So aside from teaching us all how to fix our broken, weird crap on our cars (laughs) and uh, making great videos on YouTube, what have you been doing to keep yourself sane the past year? Oh, it's it's been a wild year. And uh, got lucky enough early this year, I bought a new house and a new garage. Yeah, you got and, a cool garage. Oh, yeah. It's, and I've been having a blast setting up that space to function as everything that I need to work on my projects, other people's garbage, whatever it may be. Uh, so building out that space was great and finally got the heat turned on recently <laughs> no, and been out there. spent a lot of time out there. How many vehicles are in that garage? So I hold nine titles, and it's a problem. I recognize this. Uh, And in that nine titles I hold, uh, I have a a two-and-a-half-car garage. (laughs) 
So <laughs> you can you can mentally do the math on that one and figure yeah. out how that's going to work. If they're out. all Subaru and, uh, 360s, you can fit them all in there. <laughs> just, I'm a big fan of motorcycles, and fortunately, they pack in a little bit easier. But there is some offsite storage. Uh, there's some things that live away, and there's a few things that live at home, and it usually shuffles around based on what needs what maintenance and uh, what I'm doing at the time. Oh, I feel your pain, brother. Uh, I have oh, the yeah. same problem, and I have the same nine titles. <laughs> uh, and and thank God that uh, we own a warehouse. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, really. I, I'm just doing my darndest to stay out of double digits. <laughs> it's taking focus right now. That nah, ain't gonna Good happen. Luck. You're you're right on the verge of buying something else dumb. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I know it because I am too. I'm always looking for a way to buy some, bring home something else with wheels on it. My uh, my poor long suffering wife is just about to start drawing the line though. <laughs> yeah, she's getting yeah, that look that, in her eye every time we talk the... about a Corvette. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, every time I see something new on online, she says, "You said you would get me a Lexus." <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm starting to hear the L word an awful lot around the house. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. So tell us about some of the projects you've been taking on for your Haggerty series. What have you? What do you have taken apart in your garage right now? So right now I've got a 1965 Chevrolet Verre. Okay. Uh, that's been in my life since what 20. And it's a really cool looking Corvair. It's a great little car. I bought that down in Texas and flew one way and drove it home uh, because you know the best way to buy things is to wire money to a guy from one photo that you saw on the internet <laughs> and then just get on a plane and and make it happen. <laughs> and so the, the Corvair is a part. It needs an exhaust system uh, fabricated up. So that's been a back burner project. Uh, mainly this fall has been all motorcycle stuff and, and transitioning to, to knocking out some new projects. This 82 Honda Goldwing that you and I have been talking about recently that uh, picked up for $550. And yeah. it's just, it's a piece of crap. It's yes. the color of a piece of crap. Yes. And you just, you love it. There's no reason to, but yet it's just fantastic. Well, it's a Honda, and Hondas just never die. You cannot kill them. Have you stripped off all the uh, nasty grandpa fairing and all that stuff to get down to that that big freaking engine sitting right between your feet? Don't insult me. No, they make great (laughs) cafe racers. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But this has the full kit. Oh, my God. It has the top case with the backrest. Now, this is the Aspen Cade. This has got all the good stuff on it. It's got a sleeper camper on the back. You know, it's got room for the kids. Came with a disco ball. (laughs) It it needs a disco ball. (laughs) There's a coffee maker. (laughs) Can you put a pony keg in the back? Probably. It's very comfortable. Probably. Hey, don't don't give him any ideas. <laughs> well, and everything's how, LED. You, you laugh. This pony keg joke uh, is a weight thing, but at the same time, I learned that the Aspencade in 1982 is one of the early years of Honda's air suspension. And so I show up to buy the thing, and the guy was like, "Oh, we'll connect a battery so I can show you that the air suspension works. That's why you're buying it, right?" And I was like, "Uh, yeah." Sure. <laughs> yeah, let's see that. <laughs> yes, because I mean, apparently if the air suspension doesn't work, they're pretty much worthless. <laughs> he bought it for, he got it for under $600, man. And it can bounce. And- <laughs> oh, it's great. This guy switches. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm headed to a lowrider meet next week. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So speaking of Hondas that just won't die, uh, you've got one that's near and dear to my heart. Cause I used to have one, 
you've got a, an XR250, or maybe more than one XR250. <laughs> it's true. It's, true. It's, a, uh, <laughs> it's a fleet of XR250s at this point, but there's one in particular that I've been working on, and it was an impulse purchase a little over a year ago uh, because it popped up at a dollar per cc. So anytime you can buy something you know, at a dollar per cc, so you're looking at 250 bucks, that's a great deal, no matter what you're buying. No kidding. That's yeah. just general rule of thumb. If the <laughs> price is a dollar per cc, you should go buy it, whatever it is. And uh, went out and bought this Honda XR250. It's a 1989. It's the last year of the drum brake rear mm-hmm. because I had this idea to go vintage racing and kicked it over. It seemed to have decent compression, thought it had promise, brought it home. It immediately dropped an intake valve and just destroyed <laughs> oh, the engine. No. Oh, uh, no. Pulled through the top of the piston, just bad oh. news everywhere. So I pull it apart, slap it back together, still thinking maybe I can make it go racing. And at every step, it reminded me that it was just a piece of crap. <laughs> I should not be playing with at all. And so it just became this beater bike to loan out to friends. It was like, oh, you want to try motorcycling? You want to learn to ride? Whatever. Just throw yeah. it off in the corner, and I don't care if you drop it. I don't care if you blow it up. It just didn't matter. And uh, I decided to go racing with it in earnest. And so I put my boss up to it more or less. And he kind of called my bluff. I said, I bet I can do six different forms of racing on one motorcycle in a year. And he said, that sounds absolutely stupid. Go do it. <laughs> absolutely. And, and you got to document it now. So it's the project is called six ways to Sunday. And it's a little bit of a spin on that old, uh, on any Sunday mm-hmm. where the, in the grand national days when it was one rider going out and doing five different disciplines over the course of the year, and they weren't doing it on the same bike. I, you know, in the 21st century where everything is sensationalized on the internet, we kind of had to add one more little shtick. And I also can't afford six different (laughs) motorcycles or factory support. You looked at that uh, idea and thought, man, that's dumb. I bet I can beat it. I bet I can pull it off. Hold my beer. (laughs) It's absolutely a hold my beer moment. And my friends and I were joking about it when I was pitching it around and it was like, this is pretty stupid in the grand scheme of things. And you're going to be a back marker in every event. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to show up and I'm going to be a lapper uh, in literally everything that I no, do. We just, if you've ever used a Swiss army knife, we discussed this. Recognize, <laughs> oh yeah. We discussed this. We're going to get into it. So why don't we start with the six different kinds of racing and you can explain, yeah. uh, uh, explain to us a little bit about each of them as we go. Uh, now the first one, I think this fits in just fine. Historic Racing Motorcycle Association, the American Historic Racing Motorcycle Association. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, so we partnered with ARMA, so the American Historic Racing Motorcycle Association. Uh, they're a great, uh, great racing foundation and organization, and they do a lot of cool work. It has historic in the name, but don't be misled. A lot of the events that they do across the country are historic and otherwise interesting motorcycles, especially on the road racing side. If you have something of interest, even if it's brand new, they probably have a class that you can fit into and Mm. and go racing on whatever it is. Uh, So it's real approachable. There's obviously no affordable racing. No. Uh, But in the grand scheme of things, Arma plays at a slightly lower level uh, in terms of both competition, and it's a little bit more gentlemanly, I would say. Uh, so it's a, it's a really neat organization and they do all the different disciplines as well. So I'll be doing basically 
five of my different, uh, five of the six events that I'll be running will be through Arma um, and something that they're working on. Okay, so the first one is vintage motocross. Mm -hmm. Now, is that strictly vintage bikes or is it vintage and anything interesting? uh, This is strictly vintage bikes. This is one that they have a pretty hard and fast rule on. Now, the class that I fall into on this one, uh, most people probably wouldn't call vintage bikes. Uh, It's pre-modern is what it is. And it's pre-modern open at that. So this is pretty much any motocross bike from the late eighties. So once they went to a single rear shock, mm-hmm. uh, monoshock and steel chassis, disc brakes, front and rear falls into this kind of category, late eighties, all the way up to the early two thousands. So if you think about the uh, computers of the nineties, how quickly things accelerated mm-hmm. motocross bikes were the same way. So I'm, at the very beginning of the class and the stuff at the later end of the class with a good rider on it is just amazing. Uh, the CR two fifties, the KX uh, series of the early 2000s, a yeah, little bit amazing of difference, motorcycles, a little bit of difference in horsepower and weight, a <laughs> big difference and braking <laughs> and chassis geometry, literally the whole thing. Uh, it's I'm a knife at a gunfight in this class. And like, I'm Wonderful. not even a good knife at this gunfight. I, it's, Dull knife shoved in your boot. Butter knife. Yes, exactly. Butter. This is not that, you know, Crocodile Dundee, now that's a knife no, situation. No. I'm the first guy. That now that's a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Exactly what it is. All right. The second version we've got is cross country. Mm-hmm. And not to be confused with motocross. So motocross is usually closed loop, short track, prepared course. Mm-hmm. Uh, cross country, think of it as woods riding. So it's usually a three mile loop. So a, lo- a significantly larger loop than your motocross loop uh, and more natural terrain uh, and typically about an hour. So whereas your motocross is going to be 20 minutes, maybe up to a 40 minute moto, mm-hmm. uh, your cross country is going to be an hour to an hour and a half, depending on the weather conditions and the course overall, what would uh, be, that you're going to be signing up for. What would be the difference in prep on the bike? What, what would you do to your, uh, differently? Uh, minimal change between the two, especially for the XR that I'm running. Mm-hmm. Uh, largely, it's going to be pretty close. If you were at the pointy end of those two events, your suspension setup is going to be a little bit different. And but you might not. detune the engine just a touch to run cross country to have a little bit flatter power band, a little bit more longevity out of the motor. Motocross guys are servicing stuff after every race. Cross country guys can get a season out of most of the bike without okay. having to tear things down. All righty. Oh. And then you've got uh, enduro. What's the difference between cross country and enduro? So if if you're taking uh, motocross, dialing it up to eleven, you get cross country in terms of distance. This is taking cross country and dialing it up to fourteen. Uh, <laughs> the enduro that I'll be doing is the Jack Pine Enduro here in Michigan, and it's a historic event. They've been running this for literally decades, like eighty, ninety years, uh, and they have a fifty mile event. And they have a hundred mile event. And Brad, you and I were talking a hundred miles on the trail is no small feat. No, that's, that's like getting, that's like having the hell beat out of you. That's, that's really tough. And even 50 is pretty tough. So when I first started reading up on it, I was like, well, if the whole shtick is me doing crazy things, I got to do the hundred and anyone that I talk to, no, no. yeah, (laughs) this is a bad idea. (laughs) Anyone that I talked to was like, Hey, just don't. Don't do that. Like, oh, okay. That's 
And all right, I learned. <laughs> and how do you do the prep for the enduro? Uh, the prep for the enduro is I'm going to soften everything up as much as I can. I don't want to be fighting the motorcycle. Mm-hmm. So if I can run a softer grip, a softer bar setup, even so going to a, a fairly flexible aluminum handlebar mm-hmm. over a steel bar, it's actually going to make a difference in keeping your upper body together, softening the suspension spring rate, the valving a little bit. Uh, the nice thing, the XR, a lot of people say it's a couch anyway. Yes. <laughs> so it's really set up for the enduro side of things. And I'm trying to turn it into a sporting bike for some categories. Yeah. Uh, but this is where it's going to be the strongest and the best fit in its natural state. Okay. Now we get to, oh, I can't even believe you're going to do this, supermoto <laughs> road racing. <laughs> yes. This is, this is the, uh, actually, this isn't even the craziest one. No, but... I know that's I know that's where your brain is, but this is this is the far from the craziest one, uh, and this is I fall into a class within the Arma road racing schedule that is any enduro type motorcycle, so an off road motorcycle fitted mm-hmm. with seventeen inch wheels and yeah. road racing tires, yep, and super motard in their book. So uh-huh. it's a very open class, and this is one that falls into that uh, if you have a modern machine that yes. is of interest, like a supermoto. You get to run in this class. Why don't we talk about so, the difference between your bike and what real racers will be riding in this? <laughs> yes, the the hot ticket in this class <laughs> after visiting a couple of Arma events is the brand new Husqvarna 701 SM, mm-hmm. which is not uh, a 290 cc. <laughs> it's not so, a 250. Oh my not a 250. <laughs> it is a four stroke. I'm, I'm at least in that. Yes. Uh, but it's almost triple the engine displacement. Mm-hmm. It is uh, probably four or five times the power, yep. depending on how tired my engine ends up being by this point <laughs> in the season. It's uh, going to be wheezing so like running. an asthmatic. <laughs> yes. It, I assume I, I will be very tired. The motorcycle will be more tired. Gerbil, gerbil uh, but they're running in the low 70 horsepower range mm-hmm. and uh, in the low 300 for pounds. Uh, <laughs> A bike, oh my god! <laughs> which is just a power to weight ratio that just blows your mind. These yep. guys, uh, and the bike is very forgiving. You have tons of lean angle because of where the center of gravity is at. It's very easy to ride. Uh, a lot of the guys that run in the supermoto class, the nice thing is, uh, especially for me, even though I'll be on a slower bike, a supermoto is more forgiving about line choice and where you run on the track. Uh, so compared to something like a super sport or the vintage like CB350 class, uh, which is what a lot of people join Arma road racing and they go with the CB350. Uh, it's a very easy bike to maintain and it's a good bike to ride, but your line choice matters a lot. And it does, it's not very forgiving. The supermoto is extremely forgiving. You can go out there and you can ride through the dirt. Uh, you have the suspension to ride over any of the braking bumps or a rough track. The bike doesn't care. Uh, if you go in a little bit hot and you need more lean angle, you have all the lean angle in the world and you typically have a very sticky tire and you can run it at a little bit lower pressure simply because you don't have the weight that the super sports do. Yeah. So you're not chewing through a tire. You can brake later because you're lighter. You can run just as big of a brake. Uh, so it's, it's a really goofy class and it requires a totally different skill set and confidence to most of the other stuff. Uh, but the XR250 melding it to this class doesn't take a lot, but uh, I will definitely be a back marker by a long <laughs> shot. Now, <laughs> now sure. s- speaking of a different skill set and a different setup, 
flat track? You're going to run flat <laughs> track with this thing? Yes. Yes, and I have to admit the antithesis, or uh, uh, yeah, say the, the starting point for this project, I really wanted to go ice racing. Uh, and so, yeah, of that's... Course. See, I think that would have worked a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I really wanted to go ice racing, and I realized that that was uh, not smart. That's because no, all these uh, other things are smart. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, this yeah, totally lift the bar. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us how but you I, set up for a flat yeah. track on a bike that puts out 18 horse at best. Now, this is a new one. They started a new class uh, within Arma that I get to fit into, which is really nice. There was a lot of timing that happened to just work out with some new classes that they were launching and this project. Um, and so what I'll be running there is a modern four stroke which the Honda fits into. Um, I actually don't even have to lower it. I don't have to do any of the suspension changes. Uh, I could build a nice set of 19 inch wheels, like all the fast guys. Uh, but I talked to the off-road race director with Arma and I told him my plan and he said, well, I guess you could do all of that, but I don't see why you would waste the money. Okay. Cause somebody uh, dared me. <laughs> yeah. Cause none of this makes sense anyway. Let's throw the money away. Uh, and so he told me to go out and buy actually the wheel setup off an XR 200, which is oh, really? a smaller bike. Yeah. Which runs a 17 inch rear wheel to the 18 yeah. that I run on the 250. And he said, go and get the 17 inch rear wheel, maybe lace a 19 inch front to just lose a little bit there. And then you take that to an indoor event instead of the short track outdoors or even the big tracks half mile or a mile. And he said, at that point, you're bringing a machine gun to a knife fight. Cool. And so with that, it's picking the right venue to go to uh, because flat track sounds like it's one specific type of racing, but based no. on where I could go is completely changes. That. No, I just picture a, a fleet of Harley XR 750s. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they're there uh, for sure. And the two stroke guys that run flat track are a certain kind of insane. The, the DT1s. Uh, Yamahas of the 70s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not even the big two-stroke stuff. Uh, 400 two-strokes, 250 two-strokes are a certain kind of crazy that I just can't run. There's no engine braking well, with those, and, uh, and you don't have a front brake to begin with. Well, and those have a real limited balls. power band, and it's up at the top, and yeah, you're either on or you're off. So <laughs> yeah, it's, there's, <laughs> there's nothing to it. Here's the one the, that really worries me for you, honest to God. Oh, this is the one. This, this, this is the one. This is the one that, that I look at and I go, oh, uh, please don't. Trials. Trials. You can't do trials yeah. on an XR250? I, I thought the same thing. And uh, there's a couple changes I'm going to be making there. I'm going to be cutting the steering stops off. I have to run a particular tire. Uh, but yet again, this is Arma's launching a new class. You got to have year. a rear sprocket that looks like a pie plate. <laughs> yes, it's gonna. I'm gonna gear this thing to the moon. It will idle <laughs> at sub walking speed. It's gonna be amazing. Uh, but this is one that trials is set up in an interesting way. If you've watched it on the internet or on TV, if you happen to have one of those like ESPN eight, the Ocho, yeah, uh, where they're playing <laughs> trials motorcycles. It's, it's on after uh, sumo rodeo. Yes, exactly. <laughs> if you've watched it, you've probably seen the elite guys that are jumping between. Yes. Uh, you know, these man-made obstacles and the grand scheme of things. That's, absolutely absurd that's not what most trials riding is it's natural side hills out in the woods 
And they're typically set up with uh, five different lines for a given section. Mm -hmm. So there's the one line, which is basically just more or less riding straight up the hill with like a slight bend to it. And if you're absolutely new or have never really ridden a motorcycle, it's a slow sport to get into and it's very approachable. Like, can you ride up a hill? Yeah, I can ride up a hill. I but think, all, maybe all the maybe time not. you've all the time you've spent with cycling, you have already got that natural inherent balance. You already yes, have that. That's the key. Yeah, and that's the the basis of trials. If if someone listening isn't familiar, it's to ride the motorcycle through technical obstacles without putting your foot down. Yeah. So kind of slow accuracy is the name of the game, mm. and the XR is not set up for that. The geometry, <laughs> the frame no, it is, is wrong. <laughs> uh, the power band of the engine is wrong. The seat height is wrong. Um, there's so many things that, that are different there. And so it's going to be uh, setting up the suspension for this. is going to be extremely strange. And I'm probably going to end up making a custom seat that yes. will allow me to, yes. to carry my weight a little bit lower. One that's uh, about bring the three inches shorter. <laughs> yeah. Any height I can take out of the chassis is great. I still need the ground clearance. Um, and I still want to have the ground clearance and the suspension travel will help me. Uh, but if I can put my weight lower, put my body, put the center of gravity of the bike lower, it makes it easier to handle um, in those situations. What is the uh, time frame here? Does all of this take part in a, in a compressed period of time or is this spread over the whole year? I set myself up to do it over the year. Uh, and there's a couple of festivals that Arma is doing uh, that I could do it in a weekend. Uh, so I dialed it back because the it's already insane enough. Like <laughs> I think we all recognize that. Uh, so to try and do that entire thing in a, a weekend is just, it's too much. So it, it's going to be spread out. First event's going to be in May uh, down in your neck of the woods, actually, in uh, Heartland Park. Doors always and open. Speak up. Yeah, nice. so I, I look forward to dropping through and, and spending some time with you guys. Uh, so that'll be in May, and then I'll wrap up the project at the Barber Vintage Festival oh, uh, cool. down in Alabama right. uh, and be riding trials there as well as any other events that I qualify for and trying not to die of heat stroke. That <laughs> so hot. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, uh, that one's tough. So do you have all the gear and parts and all the stuff it's going to take to do this? Kind of. <laughs> uh, and that's <laughs> that's the fun part uh, there's a certain amount of changing the bike and building it between events that's going to suss out what i'm missing and whatnot now the biggest thing uh, i've partnered up with alpine stars and they're getting me hooked oh, good, up good, with good. some safety gear okay uh, especially on the road racing side uh, leathers full body protection uh, their tech air gear which is really exciting it's such a neat product uh, it's a wearable airbag and I know you don't need yeah. an airbag despite losing 35 pounds recently. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very uh, much. But I don't, I don't think you would admit to needing more cushion. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Less would probably uh, be favorable. Delicately put. <laughs> well, with time, man. you'll need it. We'll, we'll give you a little bit more time. You've got it. I'm getting uh, there. But so, so they're hooking me up with some of the, the tech air gear, which is really exciting, really fun. Uh, to try out and to talk about, as well as Showy uh, USA uh, hooked me up with a helmet, one of their new Hornet X2s, Good, uh, which is really exciting. Great helmet, uh, a bunch of fun stuff. And so 
I'm hoping a couple more partners will hop online uh, for some of the bike parts, but we don't have that ironed out just yet. Speaking of which, have you gone through your fleet of XRs and made sure that you've got the pick of the litter and it's reinforced setup, doesn't have any weird errant cracks anywhere, any of that good stuff? Old dirt bikes usually get hammered on pretty hard. I'd want a thorough checkup. They usually live hard lives. And so I'll say the bike that I'm using for this project or kind of the core uh, that started, the guy I bought it from when I bought it for that $250 admitted to me as I was loading it in the truck uh, that he picked it up where it was leaning on a dumpster by his parents' cabin. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my race bike. Is something that was left for dead. And soon the circle shall be complete. Uh (laughs) So if it burns to the ground, like there's no great loss. Uh, But it's something I recently took the time to completely strip it down. And I have a bear frame and I did buy a second bike. I've got another XR250, which is a 1987, which is of the same generation. It shares a lot of parts. Uh, You know, 99% of the parts are shared between those two. Mm -hmm. And then I also have a uh, 86, which is the first year of the generation that I picked up as a parts bike a while back for, you know, 50 bucks or something like that. I think I gave the guy like a case of Coors, for the bike, <laughs> uh, which tells you how much is missing there. Wow. Well, I've done a few a de- deals that look like that. <laughs> Not to dig at you, but are you in shape for this? This is a pretty, pretty sizable undertaking and it, it and it will not be physically easy. Are no. you ready? For no, this? not at all. Even even being a back marker in the racing field uh, still requires a lot of fitness and and going at that. Now you mentioned my time at McPherson College. I was a cross country runner yeah. there. I spent ten years of my life long distance running. Uh, I'm now a reformed long distance runner, which means I don't do that anymore <laughs> because I got smart and I've taken up cycling. Uh, and so I don't have. I'm not the picture of peak fitness. I would not say that, uh, but I do have a pretty good amount of fitness and I'm working on that diligently. What I need more than anything uh, is just seat time on the bike and getting really familiar with this one. Sure. Sure. Uh, I didn't get a ton of riding in last year and I don't do a lot of off-road racing. And so just with the multiple disciplines, it's just going to take a lot of time of me going out and riding and it's still snowing and really cold out right now. So yeah. right now it's time in the garage and working mentally preparing the bike, uh, you know, both mentally preparing myself and physically preparing the motorcycle. And then as soon as it's warm enough, it's going to be a lot of time riding. You know, he's got prepare. his helmet on and a leg over the couch watching motocross movies on TV. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All righty. Well, you have to come down here and eat barbecue and ride motorcycles with Mark and I in May. By then, Mark will have a tag on his bike and his yeah. leg thrown over it. While we got you, you're not getting away unscathed, buddy. What's the dumbest thing you've ever done <laughs> on a motorcycle? Oh, gosh. Dumbest thing I've ever done on a motorcycle. <laughs> That's oddly tough. So there was a, a mini bike, which doesn't necessarily sound dangerous. No, uh, that a friend, I've done done crap on but mini But every bikes. story that starts on a mini bike has got to be good. <laughs> uh, in the storage units, in the sheds across from McPherson College, there's this young guy named Joey, and he had a mini bike, and we would all naturally drink more than we should on a Friday night. Of we'd ride this thing around. And I don't know what happened at some point in time. 
He lost the nut that held the front axle in. This is not good, man. Oh, no. You guys well, didn't use vice just, grips, did you? Oh, no. The thing was, you could Literally ride it more. quite a ways. And all you'd have to do is look up over the front and swing your right leg around and just knock it back over a little bit. Oh, my. And so we just continued to ride this thing. Oh, do you want to live forever? Come on. Let's go. <laughs> Where's your sense of adventure? Good God. Yeah. Well, it works that's, for Conan. That's it. No, yeah. So no. that's that's probably one of the dumber things I've done was ridden oh, that man. for any amount of time. And you know what? I agree with you. <laughs> Man, it I might only been 20 mile an hour, but it was a really scary 20 mile Yeah, well, 20 mile an hour when you find out you got a motorized unicycle. <laughs> that's going to look pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how I got out of that one unscathed. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. We've been speaking with... Oh, my God, I can't believe they uh, keep you on after stuff like this. We've been speaking with... Associate editor at Haggerty, Mr. Kyle Smith, who is a, a crazed motorcyclist, uh, among other things. You can find all of the social media links for Kyle and Haggerty at readthedriven.com. Kyle, as always, thanks for being with us. God, I hope this works out for you. I yes. really do. Yeah. Uh, Tim Kyle. I really do. Yes. This, this, is, this is absolutely awesome, and what a diverse uh, <laughs> cross-section of things you're going to try and do on two wheels on an old dirt bike. Man, more power to you. Uh, I appreciate how hard you're working to say positive. (laughs) Hey, I'm really means a lot to me. I'll tell you what, I'm proud of you. I'm excited for you. I'm scared shitless for you. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I hope all this stuff works. I wish I was doing it with you. Oh yeah. Uh, I wish you were too. It it sounds like an absolute blast. It also sounds like something that'll make you chew your fingernails off. (laughs) But uh, best of luck to your brother. And if you need anything from us, please let us know. I will send you all the motorcycle crap I got. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much for spending time with Driven Radio. God, I cannot believe Kyle's going to go out. And, that is, that's is just that, nuts. That's insane. You know me, man. If it's got two wheels, I'll throw a leg over and ride it. There's some some of the crap he's going to go do. I'm looking at it and going, mm, Kyle. <laughs> That's that's you're a, the man though. That is the damnedest idea. I love it. I hope you do every bit of it. I'll come watch it. Hell yeah. That's that's something else. Uh thanks so much for spending time with Driven Radio and listening to this insanity. Oh my good lord. We love what we do and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners and uh, insane people like Kyle. God love him. You can find us online at drivenradioshow.com and readthedriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show. And listen on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Audible, Pod News, iHeartRadio, Listen Notes, Acast, and everywhere fine podcasts are heard. There can't be that many more places. I think I named them all. <laughs> I think you did. Uh, I am Brett Hatfield for Mr. Corey Pratt. Yes. And Mr. Catfish Groves. Yep. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio. Driven Radio.